This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Radio. Good morning, Carol. It's Monday in late October. Good morning, Mal. How are things this morning? Things are really good. Um, the leaves are changing. The cool weather uh, is is drifting in. Um, and it's your favorite time of year for pumpkin spice. Yikes. Uh, we're, we will talk, it, talk about it this one time, and then we're not going to mention it again unless we talk about it in terms of pumpkin pie. Oh, absolutely. It is, yeah. even, it, it is even more prevalent than ever before. And um, golly, Dunkin' Donuts released their pumpkin spice stuff in August, August 19th. They had a big, uh, you know, big day of celebration as they released a pumpkin spice donuts, muffins. So I guess coffee. that's the uh, 2020 highlight for pumpkin spice. The 2019, I guess, was the spam. Yes, and I still have a few cans of <laughs> pumpkin spice spam left over for you and Java for for Thanksgiving presents, but really, it, it's Dunkin' Donuts is, is not the is not the worst of it. I have to say, Boar's Head, who I really respect, Boar's Head Meats, they have come out with a pumpkin spice dessert hummus. Mm. Sounds simply horrible. It it actually you know it actually does. Also, I mean, there are pumpkin spice frosted flakes uh. and horror of all horrors, pumpkin spice Twinkies. So let's talk about it now and be forever done for 2020 with pumpkin spice. I I just hate it that it's it ruins pumpkin pie for me. It's you know pumpkin pie is a very special thing this time of year and. We're so over pumpkin. I mean, there's even pumpkin spice uh, bath bathtub uh, shower gel, and mm, that's right. Yeah, you know, the whole world smells like pumpkin spice. So on Thanksgiving, what's the big deal with pumpkin pie? Now, I hate that. Now Java is an expert on the, this dish, and I'm going to see what he thinks about pumpkin spice mac and cheese. Uh-oh. Well, I, I saw that, and I kind of cringed because it's just, <laughs> I mean, mac and cheese, you should have your cheese. You should have your macaroni. Why are we adding extra things? <laughs> I don't get it. It's, it's overkill. How about this one? Pumpkin spice cotton candy, speaking of the Mississippi State Fair. Oh, yikes. And pumpkin oh. spice kettle corn. Or pumpkin spice dog treats. I mean, what do you think uh, a poor dog would think about that? 
I anyway, know. Malcolm, Thanksgiving's coming up. Yeah, it is. Uh, this too shall pass. So what have you been cooking? Uh, I haven't asked you about your culinary weekend and all of last week. Well, I have to say that I had a pretty abject failure this weekend. And it's hard to admit, especially on air, that I have never made cornbread dressing before. And I was practicing. You know, I'm an oyster yeah. dressing person. And John confessed that he wanted, as he called it, regular dressing. Mm. So inspired by all of the cooking and coping Facebook dressings, I made cornbread dressing. And it was delicious, but it didn't it didn't hang together. It needed something to bind it. So I'm hoping our listeners will help me out there. I, you know, got online early this morning to research other recipes. And it appears that some people use cream of mushroom soup or cream of chicken soup. And I just wet mine with, uh, with chicken stock and put four eggs in it. And it was tasty, but the consistency wasn't right. Can you help me? Well, um, I've never had that problem. Mine always tends to be too dry. Um, maybe it's just the simply about the amount of chicken stock that you added. You know what my favorite ingredient in, in homemade traditional Southern uh, uh, dressing is? No. Celery. Well, there you go. Well, mine had celery. Well, I mine love had a few celery. little red red bell peppers for color it had onions it had fresh sage out of my garden yeah so i'm gonna keep working on it maybe some of our listeners have a a tidbit a hint or some advice about how to make your dressing less watery and how to no, it, it, bind it. it just didn't, yeah, didn't bind it. So good, good. I'm, I'm glad we put this <clears> out here. I'm glad I've confessed. Confession is good for the soul. Oh, absolutely. Well, uh, on this end, uh, Kara made a one of her signature soups, the red lentil, and it and it was just great. I this time of year, I can go with uh, a soup for dinner uh, or lunch almost any time. And there's so many fantastic soup recipes. I know that you and Java probably get tired of me forwarding you soup recipes, but every time I see one, I send it along because uh, I just think it's almost an endless uh, uh, backstory of what kind of soups you can make and what ingredients you can use. Well, I can't even think of soup without thinking of your brother, Hal. And, you know, to me, he was our own personal soup Nazi and yeah I'll never forget at at Hal's funeral at St. Richard's Church his big stock pot <laughs> was at, it was at the front of the church well it was the uh the floral arrangement was close yep. in it and it was um it was really nice it's a nice way to uh, acknowledge his unique talent in uh, making the one pot dish and particularly uh, the great soup. And I'll tell you this story. I don't know if I've ever shared this with you. Uh, at Kara and I's uh, rehearsal dinner, which was held on the courtyard at Hall and Mouse, I pulled out of the freezer the last three or four batches of soup that Hal made. And, and when he passed, I went into the kitchen and retrieved 
of what all the soups that he had uh, either in the cooler or in the freezer, I took them home. And seven years later, I got them out and served them uh, at our rehearsal dinner. And I have to say that I was one of the recipients and it was a very moving, emotional moment for most of most of your guests. It was like a little bit of Hal was there with us. So the soup guy. Well, I I don't remember everything, but I do remember serving the soup. (laughs) Well, um, I I, I found some news this weekend that I wanted to share with you. It's actually a police bulletin. And I know we don't really talk about police bulletins very much here, but there was a police bulletin issued in Green Bay, Wisconsin, because the grand opening of Popeye's Chicken had caused traffic jams in Green Bay. And the uh, police bulletin cautioned uh, the residents to take other, you know, to take other routes. And it was the drive-through line. And they even advised them, you know, to line up on the right-hand side of the street on a certain street. But it made me so happy to know that the good people of Green Bay are at last getting some good fried chicken and that they were appropriately thrilled about that. Wow. Well, congratulations, uh, Green Bay, on uh, a, a good Louisiana brand coming your way. Yeah, it took, them, it took them a long time, but I'm glad that they recognized what they had. I remember there used to be a ad campaign that Popeye's uh, Carol, it was funny when you sent that uh, that that post to me and uh, to me and Malcolm because, you know, just being in Mississippi, Popeyes. I mean, it's one around the corner from me, and I forget that in other parts of the country they're not as um, privileged as we are <laughs> to have to have a Popeyes. So to yeah, put that I mean, official bulletin out, yes, yeah, Southern Fried Chicken. You just you just don't know what an effect that we have on the nation as a whole with our food. Yeah, we do. We do. Uh, it looks like, I, it looks like Malcolm froze up on us. Um, Carol, let's uh, go ahead and take our first break because we got uh Sean Davis from cotton blues. He's going to be coming up um, after the break in a little bit. So we're going to go ahead and pause on this uh, Monday morning, try to get Malcolm back. And um, I, Oh, there, there's Malcolm. Malcolm, we're going to go ahead and take our first break for the hour, okay, man? Sounds great. We'll be right back right after this break. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. Cheesecake. Cheesecake. My girl, she's crazy over cheesecake all the yeah, time. Right. Welcome so back to Deep South Right here on MPB's Think Radio. Thank you, Neil Armstrong, for bringing us in with your cheesecake, I don't know, serenade. That might <laughs> so. Today we have on the show executive pastry chef for the Cotton Blues in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, Sean Davis is with us, and you've been with us before, and man, are we glad to have you back, and I will tell you that the cheesecake that you left us last time when we were in the studio at MPB Think Radio was used very creatively by me at a 
dinner party where everyone thought that I made it. <laughs> yes, and I must say that I'm still wearing mine. <laughs> Welcome, Sean. Good morning. How are y'all? How'd you like that cheesecake music? Oh, I loved it. I might yeah. change that to my ringtone. Yeah, when you're <laughs> when you're Mr. Cheesecake, I mean, Java had to work hard for that. Yeah, you were on back in March, uh, back in the day, I think right before uh, COVID-19 uh, switched us from the studio to Skype. So we're really glad to have you back and would love an update. Uh, it's on what's great to be going. back. Great, great. <laughs> so tell us what's going on uh, at... Uh, at, at your restaurant uh, with the Cotton Blues Cheesecakes uh, and all the other shenanigans you're involved with in Hattiesburg? Um, I think since we last spoke at the restaurant, we um, did a lot of changes. We moved to a lot of retail. Um, there's also, you know, sit down traditional restaurant. But in addition to that, we have an entire room of just retail items from small shops around the country and little local things and grab and go meals. And it's very COVID-19 friendly. Yeah. Well, how's the business, uh, the retail restaurant business holding up in terms of percentage? I, I gave a, uh, an update to the downtown Jackson partners uh, at our board meeting this week and reported out from, from my conversations that uh, the downtown restaurants in Jackson uh, sort of range between 30 and 60 percent of the business they had uh, prior to COVID. What mm -hmm. about you guys? I'm not sure the answer to that one. Um, that's more of a Chris up. question. <laughs> <laughs> Does it seem just as busy as before or a little less or a little more? Uh, a little less, um, okay. but the weekends definitely make up for it. So. And y'all have live music on the weekends? We don't. You don't. Um, we're hoping to eventually, maybe. Um, but for right now, we're just kind of doing our thing. Well, last time we talked, you were really just getting full-blown into the wholesale cheesecake business. So give us an update on that. I, I saw your product in my local store. <laughs> Which store? Country Market. Corner nice. Market. Nice. Corner yeah. Corner Market was the first store we were ever in. Well, I, I, I'm <laughs> sorry I butchered the name, but it's brand new for us. So yeah, yeah. That, um, those stores are owned by the uh, Roberts Brothers, who are, are based in Hattiesburg, right? They are. They are. We're glad to have them in Jackson. <laughs> um, we've expanded to about 400. Or I'm sorry, not 400. That's wishful thinking. About yeah. 250 grocery stores. Um, we're in wow. Oklahoma, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, a few stores in Florida, one or two in Texas, Tennessee. You know, we're we're expanding little by little. Um, we just got into all of the Mississippi Krogers. So if you have a Kroger near yeah, you, that's a big deal. Hit up that bakery freezer. And and you can order them, uh, is that right? Nationwide? Uh, yes, sir. Um, if you go to goldbelly.com. We do nationwide shipping. Um, a single cheesecake is $65 and a pack is $119. But that does include all of the packaging, the shipping, the dry ice, everything. So, And it is a big cheesecake. Oh, yeah. They're four pounds, 10 inches. It's, it's not skimpy. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you, at my corner market, they are... 
they are front and center. Um, yeah, it's really good location. Awesome. We love Corner Markets locations for us. Corner Markets and Ramey's, they're definitely on brand. Kroger's getting there. It's it's taking a little bit of time, but you know, Kroger's a huge company and we're just one little product, but we're we're working on it. We're getting there. Well, um, yeah, I'm a cheesecake aficionado and you <laughs> really made me a believer. Yeah, I thought a commercial cheesecake could not be as good as the ones I've had or, and I've made. And yours is spectacular. What makes it different? I know there has to be a secret. That um, We do small batches to start with. So it's not just like one huge batch of 500 cheesecakes pumped out by machines. Um, there's a handcrafted component to every step in the process. You know, we pay very close attention. And there's no binders like corn cornstarch or flour. Like it's technically it would be a custard because it's just cream cheese, sour cream, egg, sugar, vanilla, graham cracker crust. Well, uh, you know, conversely to to Carol, I'm not particularly uh, a fan of cheesecake. I, I almost never order it. I rarely ever make it. Well, in fact, I don't know that I've ever made it. But man, oh, man, yours knocked my eyes out of sight. <laughs> Well, uh, now you don't have to worry about making one. You can just buy mine. Never again. Yeah. <laughs> never again. Okay, I have a, a very uh, personal question to ask you. All right. Are you making pumpkin spice cheesecakes? So, I personally am not a big fan of pumpkin spice. Join the club. Join the club. <laughs> uh, sweet potato cheesecake. Ah, Will be better. available in select markets toward the middle of this month. Um, I'm actually just waiting for my retail boxes for those to arrive. Um, but it's very similar to a pumpkin spice cheesecake, but I use pureed sweet potatoes and molasses, mm. some oh cinnamon, ginger, allspice, nutmeg, all the traditional winter spices, you know. Um, but I just feel like sweet potato has a lot more flavor and sustenance than pumpkin does. I just feel like pumpkin's a little overused. Yeah, particularly yeah, now. Especially, <laughs> especially now that you can get bath gel pumpkin. Oh, pumpkin yeah. Bath, yeah. Bath gel. <laughs> okay, well, I'll, I'll have to look for that. I mean, I, I love the sweet potato. I think in Mississippi, we need to honor it whenever possible. Right? Anytime anybody wants to use pumpkin, I just tell them to use sweet potato. <laughs> well, for our listeners who are not fortunate enough to have a corner market <clears throat> or a Kroger or any of the other stores that you mentioned that carry uh, these fantastic Cotton Blues cheesecakes. Once again, you can order it online nationwide via goldbelly.com. That's G-O-L-D-B-E-L-L-Y.com. So don't feel denied or rejected if you don't have a retail store in your market. You can simply uh, order online. Now, Sean, last time you were here on the show, we learned that you are from Purvis. I am. And that you became interested in cooking and the culinary world by watching MPB television. Is that right? I did. We had three channels. One of them was Channel 19, and that had MPB on it. And Julia Child came on 
think it was every day around four o'clock, something like that. And I made it a point to watch it every single day. <laughs> have you seen those reruns where they take her episodes of her old show and they have contemporary uh, chefs commenting on that episode? Have you seen that yet? No, I have I not, seen. but I would love to. Well, MPB was running it for a while on Friday night. I don't know what's going on there. I forget, and it was called Julia, uh, talking about Julia or Julia something or something Julia. It was really, really great, uh, but it's gone away, and uh, I'm going to see if I can't figure out where it went. So, so cooking school? Yes, ma'am. Did you go? Did you go to cooking school? I went to Le Cordon Bleu College of Culinary Arts in Las Vegas. Well, I would when certainly I call that a cooking school. <laughs> it's a long way from uh, from Purvis to Sin. Oh yes, I was very ambitious. <laughs> so, where do you get your tagline, Mississippi made, New York approved? That's pretty catchy. So that one started um, when we started selling the cheesecake at the restaurant. You know, right after. I started making it there. Um, we would have a lot of guests come in and take them back with them, like to their hometowns. You know, they'd get whole cheesecakes and put them on the plane with them. And we started looking at reviews on Yelp and TripAdvisor. And there were so many people from New York that would take them back and they would comment, you know, this is better than at home, you know, best I've ever had, all that heartwarming ego intensifying stuff and um so that's kind of where it came from mississippi made new york approved i love it okay so for all of our home cooks out there that are sitting in their kitchens with a pencil and paper ready to write down your every word what are your tips for making a good cheesecake that that we can translate to the home cook don't overmix. Don't undermix. <laughs> um, always use moisture in the oven, whether it's a water bath or just a pan of hot water at the bottom of the oven. Um, and don't be afraid of it. It's just cheesecake. Don't overthink well, it. <laughs> let's go back to to adding moisture. That that's interesting. So, so you're saying we should, well, go ahead. Tell, tell us about it. Uh, most cheesecake recipes require a water bath in the oven, which is a large pan of hot water. And then you'll take your springform pan with your cheesecake in it, wrap it in tin foil, and put it into the water bath so it's a more gentle heat. Um, I just like to make sure that there's moisture of some kind somewhere in the oven. Like I just, I can, the ovens I bake in, at our production facility actually inject steam into the air in the oven but i mean you can just use a pan of hot water at the bottom of the oven as yeah, long as there's moisture that's what in was, there. that was fascinating to me that you don't have to you don't have to set it down in a pan that you can let the steam come around it oh yeah just well, make sure it's hot, hot water up from mr cheesecake <laughs> So, Sean, for our listeners who may not be familiar with the restaurant, why don't you tell us just a little bit about it, where it is, its history, what they can expect when they come there? Um, we've been open since um, July of 2012. It's a little bit of everything for everybody. 
were located in Hattiesburg across from Target on Highway 98 West. Um, there's lots of grab-and-go sandwiches. Everything's fresh-made in-house every day. Um, we have a kitchen crew that gets there at 7 a.m. to start prepping and cooking everything for that day. We've got um, family meals, um, frozen meals you can just grab and take home with you. You don't have to sit there and eat, um, but you're more than welcome to. We have quite a few tables in the dining room, full-service dining. Um, there's a lot of retail items. We do home and office deliveries. If you want to get like sandwiches or lunch for all your staff, you know, Great. We have a lot of outdoor areas. And, it, and it, it's, a, it's in a building or a location that used to be some other restaurant. Is that right? Do I remember that right? Yes, yeah, sir. It used to be a Wenzel's right, way right. Okay, back when. Yeah, I don't know what year it stopped being a Wenzel's. That's the Mobile-based oyster bar, right? Mm -hmm. Wenzel's oyster bar? Yeah. Do y'all y'all fool with, with oysters on the half shell or raw oysters? Um, we don't. We um, used to do, you know, before COVID-19 made us limit our menu, we used to do a bunch of different grilled and baked oysters, but for right now, during this current era, <laughs> yeah. where um, we're just keeping it simple but delicious. <laughs> All right, Sean, thanks a million for coming back and sharing uh, your genius of cheesecake with us. And uh, always good luck in the in the in the restaurant business. Stay well. Uh, we'll uh, all come see you one day when we're out and about again and hopefully see you in the MPB Think Radio studios again soon. Yeah. And well, we'll I would love and to we'll see, see your cheesecakes at Corner Market, Kroger, Ramey's, or ordering on goldbelly.com. Yes, ma'am. You can actually go to our website and we have a whole map of everywhere it's available. So you can just okay. throw your zip code in there and see where we're closest to you. That's cottonblues.com. Yes, ma'am. Okay, thank you, Sean. Thank you all. Have a great day. Executive pastry chef for Cotton Blues in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, Sean Davis, native of Petal, but a globalist, as it turns out. He's been everywhere. He's done everything. We're going to take a little break here, and we want to thank Sean for joining us. For more information on Cotton Blues Restaurant and Cheesecake, just visit, as Carol said, cottonblues.com.com. And this is Deep South Dining. Please stay tuned. If you want to join the conversation, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call at 1-877-672-7464 or shoot us an email to food at mpbonline.org. Carol and I will be right back. Did contractor ever tell you of the price of something and it sounds so high you think, eh, maybe I'll try it myself. Some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. Welcome back to Deep South and I'm right here on MPB Think Radio. Special thanks to Cannonball Adderley for music autumn leaves and man it is autumn it is fall it is thanksgiving it is halloween and everything's turning up pumpkin spice carol malcolm as you know 
we talked a little bit last week about being featured uh, in the upcoming cover of MPB's Fine Tuning, their monthly magazine and program guide. And inside there, you shared a Thanksgiving story and encouraged our listen to listeners to do the same. Well, I think it's time for us to start collecting Thanksgiving stories. I think by next week, uh, I'm hoping to get some emails and some call-ins with, with people sharing theirs. And Malcolm, it was such an honor for us to be cover people. I mean, I never thought of us as a cover boy and a cover girl, but well, it was a great honor on fine-tuning. I guess that will be out. Uh, in November, uh, as it is here very close to the end of October. And we want to encourage people who have Thanksgiving stories or any kind of food story to share it uh, with us. And we'll hopefully we'll be able to read it on, on the air. You can do that by sending your story to food at mpbonline.org. And we would uh, love to love to have you share that with us. But at this very moment, we have our Hill Country correspondent on the phone. Chico Harris is with us. What's going on, Chico? Morning, Chico. Good morning, y'all. Um, I'm just in a great mood. Just a just a just a fantastic mood. And it's a it's a holdover from a week ago Saturday, October 17th, which was the 75th anniversary of Johnny's Drive-In. Ah. ah. I went there on the 16th on Friday for pregame, and got two Johnny Bur- and got two Johnny Burgers and a ROC Cola, as Elvis called them. And you know they're doing the COVID-19 thing; you can't eat inside. So I went around the corner and sat on the front porch at the Elvis Presley birthplace. But the next Man, morning, <laughs> the next morning I went. I was at Johnny's and I made sure I got there an hour and 18 minutes early to make sure I was first in line, and I scored. Just had to beat out this one person by like thirty seconds, and uh, it was just wonderful. I had I had two Johnny Burgers, a barbecue, a large order of crispy fries, and an ROC cola. I felt like a great American. It was a great meal, and I'm still in a good mood about it. Man, that is terrific! And you are, uh, while you live in Oxford and certainly comb the hill country, that's true. You are you are Tupelo's greatest ambassador. Second only, <laughs> Elvis Presley. Well, that's saying something. <laughs> but I just got I got I got a statement about pumpkin spice, and I'll let y'all go. Man, there is bring they, it there on, is, Chico. There is no such thing as pumpkin spice soul food. Soul food. Well, that's a heavy, heavy statement to contemplate. Now, you know, I'm gonna let set me up say a sign that, that fight me. <laughs> well, now Java may uh, disagree. Uh, he may say that this macaroni cheese uh, pumpkin spice is a uh, deviation on the soul food theme, but maybe oh, well, not. He's I'm, shaking I'm his head. I'm willing to be shown wrong. <laughs> Java could have me over for dinner anytime. <laughs> but yeah, that that is a very weighty thing to to think about. There is no pumpkin spice soul food, nor well, should there be. Absolutely, nor should there ever be. <laughs> There would be no reason or excuse for such a thing to exist. So I appreciate uh, it, y'all. I'm going to get some of that soul food. I mean, a cheesecake. Great. Well, thanks for calling in, Chico. It's always great to hear from you. And you're our eyes and ears in Hill Country, and we appreciate it. 
All right, I'll see you. All right. Thanks. All right, ma'am. All right, now on the phone, we have Tom calling in from New Orleans. What's up, brother? How are you, my friend? Chef, it's always good to hear from you. How are shakes at Shafalaya? <laughs> Things are doing great. It's fall in New Orleans, which means the Mardi Gras beads are finally falling out of the trees. And, uh, and I change out the uh, pumpkin spice brake fluid in my motorcycle. <laughs> uh, hey, I saw you brawl, charbroiling those oysters uh, on social media yesterday. How'd they turn out? They're great. We do that every Friday and Saturday. It's kind of my, my treat. I get to come out of the kitchen and stand on the sidewalk and grill oysters on Friday and Saturday nights as, uh, as people come to the restaurant. And it's kind of our smoke signal we send up through the neighborhood to, to come join us. That's good smoke. Now, you, oh, offer those, you offer those complimentary to people coming into the restaurant, or you sell them out there? Complimentary? What, what do you think I'm running down here? <laughs> well, no, it just we, sounded we like you were out on the sidewalk handing out broiled oysters. We do for a fee, uh, <laughs> for a nominal fee. Um, these are great oysters. They come from Captain Johnny, who goes has all his leases over in Area 3, and brings in just these gorgeous oysters, and we change up the butter every week. Like, I did a Cape Malay curry butter a few weeks ago, and this week we, oh, spun man. Up, we spun up a pound of andouille into a paste and folded that in with uh, with some compound butter this week. And uh, haven't decided what we're doing for next week, but it'll be delicious. But I am doing a pumpkin soup. No pumpkin. Oh. Oh, okay. Well, pumpkin soup, that's okay, and pumpkin pie, but don't call yeah, it it's pumpkin a, spice. It's a pumpkin crawfish bisque with no pumpkin spice. Uh, Excellent. Well, okay. you know, Tom, you know, Hal used to chop up pumpkin uh, flesh and, and drop it in soups here, there, and yon this yeah, time of year. Know, so. Pumpkin and mustard green soup, I remember, that was just yeah. fantastic. With, uh, with, uh, what's the uh, smoked seasoned meat from down south of Louisiana? He, he loved Tasso. Chorizo? Tasso? Tasso. He loved using Tasso. Indeed. Hey, so uh, you're in New Orleans now. You used to be, uh, you're, you're a native of Vicksburg, lived in Jackson, ran restaurants for quite a while. What's yeah. it like on, for Halloween? You got big plans for Halloween? I mean, city, New Orleans is a city that celebrates in a big way. <laughs> this city goes crazy over Halloween. I, I mean, know. We'll it's put also on a mask spooky all year long. Uh, but we, we'll put on a mask and a costume for Arbor Day. Uh, so... <laughs> When Halloween rolls around, it's crazy. In my little neighborhood, I live on Algiers Point, which is the one part of Orleans Parish and the city of New Orleans that's uh, across the river. It's where the ferry drops off. And our little neighborhood goes just slap crazy over Halloween. We have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids every year. I have yet to buy enough candy. And... We just, we love it over here. It's um, it, it's one of the cutest things. Kids, just the churches bus in kids to this little neighborhood. And it, there's flash mobs in the street doing Rocky Hard dance moves. There's, uh, the it, it's just a wonderful, wonderful thing. Wow, that's great. Well, thanks uh, for calling in, uh, Tom Ramsey, chef. Indeed, uh, my chef friend. Like I we said, appreciate- anytime y'all want to come on down, just drive towards Vicksburg, turn left, and never look back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So we appreciate the invitation. I'm coming for some of those oysters. Come Indeed. on. And I will gladly pay. <laughs> I'll slide you a couple. All right. On the phone now from Tupelo, uh, Kathy's on the line. Kathy, what's going on up there in uh, Tupelo, the first TVA city? Everything's well. Uh, I just wanted to talk about chicken and dressing. I, Ooh, on. I heard her talking about it, and I just want to tell the best recipe that I have used since 1972, and when people want chicken and dressing, they want me to cook it for them. It's not well, dry. I'm it's my good. pen ready. All right, let's break it down for us. Tell us how you okay, do it. Okay, I got this recipe out of a book from Splinter, a community called Splinterback down around Huckle, Mississippi in 1972 uh, from the United Pentecostal Church. It's a uh, called Harvest Time Recipes, and it's a country-style chicken and dressing. Now, on her deal, she said one chicken, preferably an old hen or rooster, you know, pressure cook, all that, but I just use just chicken, you know, pieces of chicken or a whole chicken. You boil that, you use that broth to make your dressing with. You take the chicken out. You uh, pour the broth in a large pan and Add the same amount of cornbread, cooked cornbread. You can add a few slices of loaf bread or crackers, a stick of margarine. And she said a large red onion, but I always use white sweet onion. Season with pepper and sage. And I just usually, as I sprinkle the sage in, I want to smell it, you know, but I don't want it strong. I don't want it black. Uh, just, you know, good, good taste when it comes out. Uh, three eggs, medium. You uh, put those in, um, scramble those and put those in. Um, salt, two cups of milk. Now, you can just, you kind of, by the size of pan you're using, you can kind of break this down. Mash this up good. And if it's not soupy enough, add a little more milk and put the chicken in last. But I've got to where I don't add chicken, I just make the dressing because we got the turkey. I use some pieces of chicken, some of that, to make my ghibli gravy with. Cook it in the oven, 400 degrees, 45 minutes, and I usually watch it. Uh, I don't want it, you know, burnt. or whatever. So I watch for, a, watch for a light browning on the top. And then I make my own ghibli gravy to go with this. Cranberry sauce, turkey on the table. Very, very good. Well, Kathy, it sounds that's delicious, and I've got I've got to ask you a question here. So, you boil your chicken, and so you're saving the broth. I didn't you hear use... you talk about putting the broth back in. You used milk to wet the dressing. What happened to well, the you, broth? You can't. You can't. The broth. You know, you, you don't want to pour it all in. Uh, you can just go. It's got to be mashy, but not soupy. Um, but it's got to be, you know, kind of boy. It's not real thick. You don't want like thick dressing because all this is going to cook in the oven. So I usually just make it, you know, not real soupy, but you know, just good and wet, you know. Okay, I, I understand it, now. But you're you, putting you the it, cornbread in the broth. Yeah, to start with, cornbread to start with. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and you're going to mash up these different items that I called out, you know, in there in the. Oh, my goodness. It's coming that time of the year. We're going to have it Thanksgiving. We're also going to have it Christmas. 
Oh, it sounds delicious. So no, no onion and celery. No, there's an onion. Um, no, I put onion, um, but I don't put celery. I put celery in my Ghibli gravy. Okay. I, I, I save some broth, and I, I, you know, I boil that. The giblets in it. I got uh, onion in it. I've got celery in it. Um, trying to think of everything I put in it. And little chunks. Sometimes, if it's a whole chicken I'm cooking, I've got the 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 giblets from the chicken that's been boiled along with the chicken, you know. And I'll chop those up in there. But um, my son-in-law doesn't like chicken liver in it, so sometimes chicken liver is not in it. <laughs> But, yeah, um, that's yeah. that's an age-old uh, controversy there, whether or not to put the livers uh, in the giblet gravy or the other pieces uh, and parts, as we used to call the it. Gizzards. Yeah, the well, gizzards. I, w- yeah. I was writing as fast as I could, so I'm sorry I had to ask so many questions. But my last question, you said this was from a town called Splinterback? It's a community called Splinterback. And I asked somebody the other day, where is this at? But I, on the cookbook, it's around Huckle, Mississippi, which is somewhere close to Houston. Right. So it's, it's and, in that and area. And what is now, the this, name of the Pentecostal church? Okay, it's no longer there. It was the United okay. Pentecostal Church. It was just a small congregation that were selling these um, uh, cookbooks. And I was given one of those when I went to service that day. I was a very young girl. I was like 17, 18 years old. And uh, this has got some amazing Christmas and, you know, these harvest time recipes. It's got some amazing. But I don't know. Mine's falling apart. It's been taped and taped and taped. And I don't know where anybody would. I'm trying to find out from some people that know some of these people. Now, the lady that put this in this cookbook her name was Trudy Murphy. That was her recipe for this dressing. Well, that is just terrific. Uh, thank you so much for listening, and thank you even more for calling in and sharing that uh, great uh, recipe for chicken and dressing. You know, a lot of people might say that's truly a southern dish, maybe even a Mississippi dish. And and I think the key takeaway here, Carol, uh, from Kathy, is to make the dressing uh, mushy, I think, no, mashy, I think she said, not soupy. Is that right? Mashy. So that's a new yeah, culinary. Yeah, your thing. margarine and your milk and stuff like that is going to keep it moist, but, you know, it's not going to be dry. Yeah. Well, thanks so much again for calling in. We appreciate it, and thanks for listening to our show. That is a wonderful uh, recipe. I'd almost forgotten about chicken and dressing. We used to have it all the time at my grandparents' house. Yeah, and when she's talking about this cookbook, I mean, that's such a a wonderful thing. So many memories and wonderful recipes come out of these community cookbooks, and she has a real treasure there. And I'm wishing I, I had one, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you can find it. Well, in my collection, I, you know, I, I, I just think those community cookbooks tell so much about life. And I'm sure it tells about in that part of the state. Well, as uh, I am wont to do, I've been sending you and Java all sorts of articles that I discover on the Internet. One of the recent one, uh, one that I sent was uh, the culinary school grads. And what, after graduating from culinary school, they uh, 
they share their best cooking tips. Uh, did you see that one, Carol? I did. I, I read everything you send, and they, you know, they were sharing things that they just don't teach you in cooking school. And one of them really struck me because it's something that our friend Chef John Current said the same thing a few weeks ago. Is in culinary school they don't tell you about pre-made seasonings like Old Bay or Tony Chacheret's, uh, you know, all of those good things. And several of these chefs mentioned that, that that's just one of the one of the greatest things, like use pre-made seasonings. And I think John Kurtz was talking about using a pre-made seasoning in one of his signature dishes, and Martha Stewart and her crew walked up to his little stand and were, oh, my God, this is so wonderful. What's in it? And when he told them you know, it was something like Tony Chacheret's, you know, they looked at him and walked off. But that was a, a, one of the top, <laughs> one of the top chef hints. What about you? What did you see in there? Well, there was one about adding uh, a little bit of hot sauce, and they mentioned crystal in particular, which of course is close to my heart. Uh, then there was the salt substitutes using soy sauce and fish sauce and other substitutes uh, for salt. And speaking of salt, there was the one about not putting the salt directly into the dish, but put it in your put hand. In your hand. Yeah. So that you can really uh, get a look at what you, how much how much volume you're you're using. The old you know saying about a pinch of salt. I mean, I not only put it in my hands, but I put it in my hands. Then I put it in my fingers to pinch a little bit of time. And 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 one thing that I thought was really important, they talked about drying any ingredient that you're using yeah. that traps moisture. And this is so true. You know, fish, meat, blot it with the paper towel before you cook it. Or with your, you know, with your turkey, when you take your thawed turkey out of the bag and all that liquid, you know, comes out with it that it's been packed in water, let that bird dry out. You know, pat it with paper towels and let it sit. It really makes a difference. It makes the surfaces crispier and they get more brown you know, if, the, if it's dry. Right. And, and another great one was always finish gravy with a splash of, of cider vinegar. I, I thought that was really, really cool. Yeah, and they, uh, you know, they said you don't taste the cider vinegar. You don't taste vinegar, but it lifts the rest of the flavor uh, of the gravy. Uh, and then it talks about the, the hot sauce piece was adding it to vinaigrettes. It says that a, a little dash of hot sauce, like crystal or fish sauce, uh, will take a vinaigrette, a dip, or a sauce to, to a new level. They didn't teach that in culinary school, but chefs learned it along the way. And a word that they use that, you know, we see used so much, and, I, and a lot of people don't understand what it is it says that these things like fish sauce and soy sauce give it an umami flavor yeah i didn't know what umami flavor was and i haven't um, looked it yeah up. it's a it's a japanese term and it's like a, a savory sense it's it means like delicious perfection it's like that something that you taste but you can't quite name that just gives a dish perfection. 
And finally, my favorite, recipes are a roadmap. You do not have to follow them exactly. Remember, it's okay to deviate and to improvise. Well, Deep South Dining is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting's Think Radio. We are funded by generous contributions from folks just like you who listen and call in and appreciate our show. We are produced by the one and only Java Chapman. For my co-host, Carol Puckett, and our guest today, Sean Davis, I'm Malcolm White. Please stay tuned now for Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey, followed immediately by Southern Remedy at 11. And you can join us next Sunday at 9 o'clock in the morning for Deep South Dining, only on MPB Think Radio.